Good evening, Eddie O'Neill. How are you doing? Good evening to you, sir. How are you doing? You're right. You how are you enjoying? Yeah, I'm okay. Do you keep yourself active I'm in this uh, interesting time? Yeah. Well, you've got no choice of it. You have to. Uh, you have to keep fit and. So a Thursday has run up a big hill day, so if I fall asleep halfway through this, it's, it's not you that's boring me to death, so don't worry. So am I right in saying, are you a runner now? Are you a running coach as well? Or well, I'm, 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 I was a running coach right. uh, in, the, in the 80s and 90s, right. and a badminton coach at, at the same time. Oh, and and then, I, um, and then when I moved here, I got absolutely immersed and submerged in badminton. And uh, when I left that um, five years ago, uh, I gave myself a year or so to recover. And and then I got involved in the local running club, which I'd been a member of in the 90s anyway. Yeah. And um, and I got sort of hunted down by a, a group of people who were performance runners and they, they were looking for a coach uh, to try and motivate and shout at them or whatever and, and I'm brilliant at that. So, uh, so I, I, I was a bit reluctant to be honest but I got sucked into it and I've been, I've been doing that now. I got, I got myself a running qualification and so I've been doing that now for two and a half years. Have you always been a runner, Eddie? I haven't, no. I I started, when I got into badminton, I took to it straight away. But in the first year that I played it, it was quite clear that I had no fitness. Um, so I bought a bike and I started biking up and down where we were in the, in the Lake District to try and get reasonably fit because I fell in love with the, with the game and I wanted to get better at it. <clears throat> so I did that, but no running. But when I moved, I moved from the Lake District back to Glasgow again, um, then there was an opportunity. I thought, maybe I can, maybe I'll do some running. And uh, so I started doing lots of little bits of running for exactly the same reason. You know, I really wanted to, I didn't want to anybody to beat me because I was fat and lazy. So I thought, you did know, you I, I with lose, sorry, Eddie, did you struggle with weight? Was that was the weight a thing? <laughs> no, really. I just wasn't. I just wasn't fit. Right. I wasn't fat, but I wasn't fit, you know. And and uh, I kind of developed an appetite for playing singles. And uh, and and I played when I first started. You know, I had no idea what I was doing, but I used to play people, and they would run me around all over the place, and I used to get. In, pain and think, oh, this is murder, you know. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, I need to do something about that. Mm -hmm. So, what um, age were you when you started that, Eddie? Uh, 27. Really? That's quite late then. 27. Uh, well, uh, that's when you started uh, badminton at 27. Yeah, 27. Wow, that's quite late, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's impossibly late, to be honest, but it was... Yeah, and, and it was it was it was absolute fate that I got involved in the first place because you know as I said we were we lived in the Lake District and we'd been married a year and then we thought you know we'll go and integrate ourselves into the community and my wife had played badminton at school and I'd never heard of it so we agreed then that she would go down to the local school who were having an open night and join the badminton club 
And I decided I would go and learn how to swim, because I couldn't swim. So off we went. So she went down, it was in a school. So she went down one corridor, and I went down another corridor. And I got to the swimming thing, and they told me it was full up. So I sort of back-heeled it out to the reception area to wait for her. And she came out. But she had this guy with her who was in the badminton club. Tom, Tom Ferguson, his name was. So so I told her, you know, I said, bloody bad, the, the thing's full. And Tom Ferguson said to me, you know, well, come and join the badminton club. Hmm. So I thought, oh, all right then. So I traipsed down here, this, back this corridor down to this badminton club, into this one court hall. And, and they gave me a racket, and that was a, the start of an, an absolute love affair. I couldn't get enough of it then. Really? Where was that? Where was that? Sorry. Well, can you tell me where it was in the Lake District, Eddie, and why, why when you're in Glasgow, how did you end up in the Lake District? Yeah. Well, I, my where are you from job was well. Where are you from originally, Eddie? I'm from Glasgow. Right. Central Glasgow? Yeah. Or? Yeah, more or less. Well, no, the south side. Right, okay. Um, so I, I was in civil engineering and I got moved around. Well, that's where I was, you know, get educated. I see. But then I got moved, I, I got involved in civil engineering, which was uh, roads and uh, motorway construction, basically. And eventually I got moved to the Lake District to work on construction of. Uh, A66. All right. So that's how we ended up there, and we were there for three and a half years, and and during that time we um, we joined this badminton club, and I discovered badminton. Where does A66 right. go, Eddie? It goes from. Is that the one in the Scotch Corner? Goes from Penrith. Yeah, it goes not not Scotch Corner. No, it goes from Penrith. Right the way through Keswick, right over towards Cockermouth. And, Appleby and all that. Yeah, yeah. So we, that, that's where we started playing, and by the time we left there, I got then I then got moved back to Glasgow, to East Kilbride. Right. Uh, well, I lived in East Kilbride, and so we uh, we obviously wanted to find a club because we, we you know we, we were in love with badminton by this time. Was your wife the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she played before, so she loved it anyway. Right. And. Uh, and she was a really, really good mixed doubles player. So she fitted in. She got in the teams in about 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. you know, and I just hacked and slapped away for about, for about a while and, and, until I could make some sense of it. Um, but by the time we got to East Kilbride, we were, we were both fairly decent. You know, so we got quite good quickly. So I got to East Kilbride, joined a, joined a club there. Um, Who do you remember from those days, Eddie? Who do you remember from East Who do you remember from the East Kilbride days that when you went, is there people that you still know that go there? That is there anybody yeah, that still know? No, we still keep in touch with some old friends. Not many, but um, I mean, some of those people became umpires and and what have you. And then we would, when I got involved with the Welsh team and we came up to Scotland, we used to see them. You know, they'd be umpiring or doing line judging or something. You know, so you'd see some of your old pals from. The, uh, like who? Huh? Any names you can think of? Yeah, Roy and Helen Marriott were good friends of ours, and you know, in, in that club, oh. and oh. Um, we used to come across them quite regularly. And it was it was when I was a national coach. Oh. 
That was, they could hardly believe that, you know, that I'd uh, reached where I'd reached, you know. It's amazing. But it was, it was, lo it was lovely to start, see that. And you'd only started playing at 27. So what age were you? Thanks. Uh -huh. Well, that started in East Coast Pride. I can't remember. The, the club must have decided they wanted some coaches. So they paid for me and this other guy to go to uh, Inverclyde to do our, our coaching badge. And I think this is where fate comes in again, because I went to Inverclyde to do uh, my club coach award. And when we'd done it, one of the guys who was the, uh, one of the examiners and instructors, a, a really legendary Scottish badminton figure, Bill Neal, sadly passed away now. He asked me if I could give him a lift home to East Kilbride, so I said, I should have, you know. So on the way home in the car, he said to me, he owned a sports shop, he said to me, he said, I, I, I'm the resident coach in a sports centre in East Kilbride. He said, but I'm, I'm going to jack it in. He said, so, you know, do you want to get started in coaching? He said, he said I, th I think you could be a decent coach, so really? you, you're really? welcome to, to have this. He said, he said, I tell you, he said, what happens is you do adult beginner courses. He said, but there's a, a group of kids, juniors, and they're all kind of county standard. And you're going to have, you'll, you'll inherit them. Right. right. Um, he said, the good kids, there's about 16 of them. Uh, he said, one or two of them are almost uh, junior international level. <clears throat> so he said, if, if, that's, if, that, if, that's, if that's interests you. So I thought, oh, I think, you know. So I, I got this gig at the John Wright Sports Centre in, in East Kilbride. So I did these adult, 16-week adult beginner courses and I inherited this group of kids. And so of they started... Age, of, of what age kind of were they then? Like they, were, they were sort of teenagers, you know, 14, 15, 12, 13, 14, 15. Um, and uh, so they'd been used to... Bill had brought them along and nourished them and what have you, but... You know, he, he wanted to go and do something else. And, and I think, to be honest with you, you know, he saw in me that, uh, uh, that I had potential. And, um, so that's why I think he asked for the lift home. <laughs> so that he could have that. So he was fishing. <laughs> so he could have that conversation because he obviously didn't. I'm not sure how he got to Inverclyde, but, you know, he wanted a lift. He didn't drive there. So... <laughs> So I gave him a lift home and I ended up with a job. And Eddie, he probably had some. He probably asked somebody else on the way there. <laughs> I maybe so. So anyway, that so I inherited um, this this job in the sports centre. And you're at what age then? Sorry, Eddie. What age then? Would you reckon you were? Uh, yeah, I was, well, I would be. Let me think. Uh, about 28, 29 now. Twenty nine, maybe. So you're still relatively um, new to the sport yourself, really? No, I had a clue. No, no idea. Yeah, but but I loved it. Yes. You know, I loved it, yeah. and um, and, and I sailed through the the coaching award thing. Yes. So you know, and so I think Bill. That's what Bill saw. Uh, that um, you know, I had a a wee bit of authority and a good organizer and. Which was right because I had a management role in my in my business life. And your job. Aye. So anyway, 
I, I wasn't in I wasn't in East Coast Pride for much longer because then I moved again, and this is where fate takes a hand again. There's so much fate involved in my story. It's 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 quite bizarre, really. Um, so finished up my work and in 1980. I got moved, but this time I was doing a bit of running, so I was feeling fitter, and I was starting to you know feel good about about stuff. And I had a coaching award, so I got moved then to a place called North Berwick, which is east of Edinburgh, and they were going to build a nuclear power station there. So I had, instead of having uh, two years' work everywhere, all of a sudden I had eight years' work. So I knew I was going to have eight years in one place, which turned out to be twelve years in one place. So I went through to East Kilbride, uh, eh, went through to. Uh, to North Berwick, and we're driving around. My wife came through because she was staying with my mother until we could get a house, and I was in a hotel. So she came through, and we we decided let's go and drive to North Berwick and see what we think of it. And the one thing we needed, of course, we needed a sports centre because if you've got a sports centre, you've almost certainly got a badminton club. So we thought that's the number one priority. You <laughs> know, we need we need a badminton club, you know, and so. So we drove along the coast to North Berwick, and uh, no sign of a, a sports centre at all. So we kind of hung around for a while, and then we drove back to where we were. You see, so we're, now we've decided well, we're not going to go to North Berwick because it hasn't got a sports centre. No, so then, so right, we'll, we'll go to the next place. So we're driving along to go to the next place, a different road. And we seen a sign for North Berwick. So my wife said, well, let's go and have another look at that place and just just let's go and have another look. So we drove on a different road this time and we drove straight to the bloody sports centre. <laughs> See? So we just looked at each other and went, I'll do it. <laughs> so that's us. We sorted. So anyway, so I, I found us a house and what have you, but I'm still in this hotel, so I thought, right, I'll, I'll go back to North Berwick on my own and I'll go into the sports centre, find out where the crack is, you know, if it's a club. It's a club. And all that. Yeah. So I drove through and I went into the sports centre and I walked upstairs to where the gallery is and I looked over the gallery to where the badminton courts were and there was two boys playing each other. Nobody else was there, just these two boys, and that was uh, Bruce Dennison, yes, and and Kenny Turnbull, and they'd been knocking the hell out of each other for years. Mm. So I saw these two boys, you know, and I thought these these two are quite good, these yeah. two are good, you know. Yeah. So if that's what the club's like, um, hallelujah. So. You know, so anyway, once we got the house sorted and what have you, we'd, we we rung up the club and like like Julie Hogg, you know, you had to go for a blooming trial. Uh, <laughs> so we went for a trial. That was that was fine. And the boys were there, you know, and the, and younger brothers and kids in the school were, were were members of this club, and they were all playing in the school. So this was North Berwick Club, was it? Is that North Berwick Badminton Club? Yeah. yeah. And, and it was almost a club that was run by teachers for teachers. Yeah, right. 
So you had the teachers, and then you've got the kids who hate the teachers, and the teachers who think the kids are a pain in the backside. Mm -hmm. And then, so they don't talk to each other, do they? So the kids don't get in the team because the teachers want to stay in the team. And then, and then we arrive, and really, that's the start of a. Yeah, yeah. A lot, 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 a Took her home and painted the black for some reason. And I used that for a while until I fell in love with the game and then I wanted to know, you know, about better rackets and what have you. But that's what I had until I moved to East Kilbride. And then the weirdest thing happened because when I, when I got my coaching badge, I wrote a letter to Yonix because Yonix are the boys, you know. Yeah. I wrote a letter to Yonix and for some strange reason, I don't know, they must have thought I was... Rudy Hartono or somebody, you know, because they, they, they gave me a contract, you know, and they sent me this, they sent me this huge box of kit and 12 rackets. Couldn't believe it. You know, a tracksuit. I was so excited. What was in the letter? Tell me what the letter consisted of that you sent them. A letter? Oh, I, I, I just, I don't even know what I wrote to. I just wrote and said, you know, my name's Eddie O'Neill and I'm a badminton coach in East Kilbride and I, I'm at a John Wright Sports Centre and I coach there and I coach these kids and it would have been like that, you know. And I'm just wondering, you know, whether there's any chance of getting a racket or something, you know. And uh, I've no idea what the, if I got a letter back, I must have done. Yes. But I do yes. remember this box arriving <laughs> and I had the flu, I was in bed with the flu. And this box arrived, and uh, I mean, it was unbelievably exciting. Yeah, I have. And the rackets inside it were um, uh, BG8500s. Yeah. It was a carbon, a carbon shaft, and you had a choice of three colour frames at the head. It was yellow, green, and red. And, and I seemed to have a million of these green things. Isn't that amazing? And, um, so when I went to North Berwick, I, I had all this Yonix stuff, and uh, that the, the kids probably thought I was a superstar you know, because I had all That's this great. Yonix stuff. Lots of bags and all that. Uh, so when was the first so, time you ever played? Do you think, Eddie? Also, can I go back to? I've got a few standard questions that I'd like to go through. Yeah. If that's okay, I know I'm late in the day because we're twenty minutes in. So Eddie yeah. O'Neill is your full name? Yeah. No middle names at all. No. And your age and your there, There's a few, but there's, they're not official. Oh, they're not right. And your, your age? 72. 72, nice work. And your home area south side of Glasgow? Yeah, place called Canvas Lang. Canvas Lang, oh yeah. And uh, do you have any brothers or sisters, Eddie? No, just me. Just you. Uh, what age when you very first played? I think like, you were 27, <laughs> but you must have played as a kid, right? You must have. No. No, 27. Wow, that's a first. I played amateur football. Is he? And, it's and I did a lot of back running at school. I was uh, great. And that was it. 
Where did you start playing? I've got that. Do you remember your first ever racket? I've got that. What was the name of your first club? So was that North Berwick Babin Club? Where did you know when you were coaching in East Cabride? When you were coaching in East Cabride, did you play in the club as well? Yeah, Clearman High School Club, Clearman High. Clearman High. Clearman High. And what shuttles did you use? Can I ask? In East Cabride, it would be it would be Carlton Plastics, I would think. Yeah, really. And what about the Lake District? Eh? What about the, the Lake District? District? Oh, we played the Feathers in the Lake District. Yeah, I mean, those, if you go back far enough to those old one-court uh, club teams, in my a lot of them played with Feather Shots. I used to get from RSL. You know, that's what RSL yeah, too is. Do you remember, the, you remember when you said you went to swim, you got, your wife went swimming and you went to get the Barbington? Where was that? Where were you? No, she went. She went to the badminton, and I went swimming. Where was that? I know you said the lake district, but where about? That was in Maryport. Maryport. Where's that? Maryport is on the coast. Like Workington uh, Way. Aye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, what about? It was, about... Way, it was the only place we could afford a house. <laughs> yeah, working to the, in the lake district. We I know. To, uh, we wanted to stay in Keswick, but. Yeah. Too expensive. Then we wanted to live in Cockermouth, and that was too expensive, so we ended up in Maryport. Yeah, it's that was a fun place. Yeah. Too much tourism, isn't that? Um, do you remember your first ever tournament? No. It, we played some stuff in, in the Lake District, but I, did, I really didn't play a lot of tournaments. You know how you said you loved singles? Did you, were you coaching mostly singles, or were you coaching doubles? Or Also, a question I had. When I started, uh -huh. when I started Coaching when I started coaching in North Berwick, it was it was all singles. Was it? Uh, all the singles, yeah. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny and Bruce, and then the others that came along. Then who were they? Can you remember any names? Oh. Yeah, well, you had Kenny's, you had Kenny and Bruce, and then Kenny's younger brother Alistair, Alistair Turnbull, and then a young guy called Fraser Turner. These were all good players. Yeah, yeah. And then I had the guy called Sammy Johnson who came down from Shetlands to work in close by. He was he was he was good, yeah. and it just blossomed from there. It's good. Huh? Uh, and then I had a young girl called Kilda Butler. And she was they all won. They were all they all ended up county champions. All of them. Did they really brilliant, isn't it? And, what, and, it, and then the secret of that was Eddie. What do you think of the secret of that? Why? Why was that? I, I think I think the secret is quite simple, really. It, it is that you know, wherever you go, doesn't matter where you go, there's there's talent. Yeah. yeah. And there was talent. I mean, North Berwick is a a fishing a, a retirement fishing village, uh, full of rich old people in those days with four thousand people in it. And yet, you know, the I had kids who were playing in the high school amongst themselves and all they really needed was a, a catalyst, you know, somebody with a performance mindset. Is that what it was? Did you have that? It wasn't just the fire. Yeah. It was quite disciplined, was no. it? No, I mean and you know the first one it came the first one that came along was Kenny. And Kenny was uh, obsessed with badminton and he was obsessed with with getting better and getting better and getting better and getting better. And, and, Bruce, was, probably, right? and Bruce as well. 
And I was just the right guy. I was I was perfect for them because, you know, I looked at them and thought, God, these these guys are good, you know. Yes. yes. And uh, and they looked at me and thought, and, and you, you made know, them feel and you made them feel good. That's a key but, thing as well. I thought, you know, I clicked in that I could, you know, I could make them better because they wanted to be better. You know, they didn't want to just hang around in East Lothian. You know, they wanted to come to Lothian and be respectable and do some stuff up there. And then they wanted to do, you know, they, they wanted to be better. So they had that, um, they had that, that ethos, that work ethic. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and all I did was come along and say, well, I've got this, I've got that as well. You know, I've got exactly what you've got, but you know, you guys are a lot younger and a lot better. So, you know, if you want to get better, I'm more than happy to help you. How do you think? How often do you think somebody needs to train to get to? How often would they train as well? I suppose. And I think in those days well. they probably played. They probably played most days without really knowing what they were, what they were doing. Did you go up every so, day then? No, no. I used to. It's a long time ago, you know. No, I know. And, no, and, I know. And some of it's in my diaries, and some of it isn't. Just but I mean, once a week. I'll be more than that. But in the beginning, you know, we used to all play together. You know, so I would go down and play as well. Uh, so I would arrange to have a an hour with Bruce, you know, or Fraser or uh, or Alistair or any of them. So I would play them, you know, um, and uh, and then they would get together. Maybe just me and two of them one night then me and two of them another night and what have you and it just it just absolutely grew big time from there until you know i don't know how many i had then you know eventually just like andy cook the word gets out yeah it's funny you know, i think it's uh, i think it was, were you, were you, were you very physical as a coach eddie were you quite like performance wise physical uh, well i was i was i was very very fat by this time in North Berwick, I was starting to run a lot right. because I wanted to do a marathon, um, and so I was I was getting myself fitter and fitter and fitter and fitter. So you know, physically and in terms of my knowledge and the way I looked, you know, I was a I was a good role model for for people of that age. You know, they were teenagers, and you know, so one minute they had these old. They've been boring teachers, and the next minute I've got Mr. Yonich who can take them out for a run and humiliate them. You know? and so you know they had a role model, you know, yeah. which is really that's all they need, you know. And then yeah. once you get going, and that partnership develops, and you're starting to give them advice and have them train in a better way, in a smarter way, then you know you you've got an indestructible partnership there. And then really just, uh, and then the club, a lot of the teachers buggered off and, and left us in peace. And we were able to develop the club then. I see. And, you know, from being second fiddle and third fiddle and fourth fiddle in East Lothian Championship, the team thing, you know, it took about five years, but then we ended up, you know, the top team in, in East Lothian and really? you know, kept that, kept, won that about eight years in a row. All of these youngsters, you know, and other people who'd been attracted, because people get attracted to the club. That's right. The better it gets. Yeah, people from other clubs who are going nowhere, right. and all of a sudden they phone you up and say, can I join North Berwick? You know, so we, we made it into a real tour de force. And I got the, the, 
They had a county team at one time in East Lothian and that went down a pan and I resurrected that. So I got that going again. And, you know, so that united all the best players from all the clubs in the county, all who hated each other, you know, because they just played each other in the local league every year. And so that, that brought them all together. And um, it just went from strength to strength. It went from nothing to strength to strength. Did you, were you continuing to play? And were you enjoying competing with these young guys? Or did you get to a point where you thought, I can do this? Or did you, what, what happened? Did you keep on playing? when you Were you actively, also yeah, were you beating them? Sorry. I kept playing for a while. And uh, and in the beginning, not, not Kenny and Bruce. Kenny and Bruce were, were better than me. So, you know, I, I, I never played Kenny because he was, a, he was a left hand and he was too quick. So for some reason, we just never, <laughs> never played. But I'm sure I must have had some, you know, some matches against Bruce and I would have taken a game off him or something or run close or what have you. But uh, well, with the younger ones, Kenny's brother Alistair and Fraser Turner, what have you, well, I used to batter them because they were too young to know any better. <laughs> so, you know, like some, of your, like some of your other conversations, the reason they got so motivated was they were fed up getting beat by me. So, you know, they, they, they decided to say it about me, you know, and of course, eventually they did. Which is great, right? And then, you great, right? then you couldn't touch them then. You really couldn't touch them. And by that time, I was, I'd lost interest in, in playing. I wanted to be a runner then. Really? Yeah. I, wa I wanted to do a marathon and because I had, I was a much better runner than I was a badminton player. I was a decent badminton player. But, you know, I was county standard as a badminton player. Right. But I was much better as a runner, much better. Did you? And you enjoyed it more, just being outside? Well, I just was, you know, I, I, I could see when I looked at badminton, when I was in my 30s and I looked at badminton, there was nothing for me to do. There was nothing for me to achieve other than as a coach. Yes. Um, yes. And so, I mean, you know, I was never going to beat anybody as a player by the time I was 32, 33. But, you know, I was really interested to see what I could do as a runner. And I, and I was in a running club that was full of really high-performing runners. And that, so all that stuff appealed to me, you know, and I thought, you know, I'm too old for badminton now, but I'm not too old for running. You know, I can, I can, I can set myself targets and, and try and achieve them. And at the same time, you know, I kept coaching the, the club and the boys and other people who were coming along and got the county team up and running. And was it always big group, Sadie? Was it always group coaching you did, or was it one on one? Did no, you ever no, do no, that? No, I was never, I was never a big fan of group coaching. Yeah. You know, I like, I always like one to one coaching really yeah. you know once it's two of them on there you know I can't they're a pain in the bloody neck to us. Mm -hmm. but I, I love singles and I love working with singles players I mean once I moved to Wales and I got involved at a higher level you know I did do a lot of work with doubles players and, and what have you I always I tended to gravitate towards uh, singles players because they have the same mentality as me just you know, very, quick, very quickly how did you end up in Wales what happened there well, I got, I, I got promoted in my job uh, and they said, we wanted to do this thing, they said, but, you know, it's, the head office is in Wales. So I said to my wife, I don't really want to go to Wales. North Berwick's nice, right? North Berwick's quite nice. Well, North Berwick's beautiful. 
you know, and we were really happy there and we had the, the best times of our lives there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I couldn't really turn down, you know, a promotion. Mm -hmm. and, Money and all that, yeah. Yeah, so we, um, so kind of reluctantly, to be honest, you know, we, we moved to Wales. But this time I'd really lost interest in badminton. I do. Um, so I had, no, I had no interest in badminton, you know, whatsoever. You know, and as soon as we moved to Wales, I joined the running club because I was I was in my, my mid forties by then, and I was as an over forty runner, I was winning things constantly. Right. And I thought, if I can get to fifty, I'll keep winning things constantly. You know, I'll I'll be. So I was looking forward to that. Really looking forward to that. Your distance, you're always, were you always a distance runner, Eddie? Yeah, yeah. What was your distance then? When you were winning I'm these things, uh, my favourite distance was, was half marathon, but, yeah. you know, 10k half marathon, marathon, marathon. But I, I was better at 10k and, and, uh, and half marathon. Oh, yeah. So that was the plan when I got to, but Annette, my wife, continued her love affair with badminton. So, and my daughter was playing by this time. So when we, when we got to, to Wales and we, we settled in Chepstow, well, Chepstow, right? Chepstow. Uh, it's just on the border, the English border, near the Bristol Channel. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. South then, right? So, so. I, my wife went and joined the, the badminton club, and my daughter got involved in the Gwent. So we lived in Gwent, right. and she got involved in the Gwent junior squad. And they say I had no interest in it at all. But... Uh, so one Saturday morning, I went with them to this Gwent Junior Squad, see? So I was sitting there on the bench watching them training under the auspices of this really nice lady, uh, Jean Ridley. And I was watching them and, and I was thinking, you know, this is not right really. <laughs> this is, I, I don't know what the hell they're doing, you know, but they're not doing anything purposeful. Oh, no. and that's, oh, no. I know, and that, so I started to think, oh, do you know? <laughs> and to make matters worse, to make matters worse, there was a big guy in Edinburgh, big Robbie Robertson from Pennycook, and he used to run all the junior tournaments, he was a, he was a brilliant big guy, and he, I think he told somebody in Wales that I was moving down, that we were moving down, so they, they knew about me. My name wasn't, uh, didn't say, who's he? I think, because Big Robbie used to play against matches against some of the young junior teams in Wales every year. And I think he said, you know, this guy's coming down, you know, who's a good coach. And So anyway, I was sitting at the Gwent thing watching this thinking, and of course, Gene asked my advice, fatal, isn't it? That's fatal. So she asked my advice, what do you think? And because me and my big mouth, you know, can help it. So I said, well, you know, maybe they should be doing this and maybe they should be doing that. And then about three bloody months later, she retired. <laughs> and then they asked me to take over. Me and Annette. So that was us now in charge of the Gwent Junior Squad. So was she a coach so, as well in that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're she's, a, she's, she's absolutely... Her, her gift is with, say, under-13s. Right. 
she's she's wonderful with and bringing people out to, to enjoy it. Yeah, and I'm no use at all with under 13s. I can't be bothered with under 13s. Yeah, it's a different thing. Isn't yeah, it? at one it's stage. Thing, I, got better. I did get better. I got better. But she's brilliant at it. She's yeah, really good. Whereas, you know, I prefer, you know, I prefer, like Andy Cook, you know, I, I prefer performance animals. As you say, singles, singles and people. Yeah, that yeah, yeah pretty much. It's not so, you know, that, that was us then, you know, we, we got involved with the Gwen Junior Squad. And you're there a long time in Wales? Yeah, we've been here 20 odd years. You still there? Still here. What? So we ran that Gwent Junior Squad for about 16 years, and guess what? We turned them from no hopers into Wales County Champions. And we had we had junior national champions coming out of our ears. You know, once we got to grips with it and yeah. And, and and what have you, and 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 then again through my my daughter, my daughter got invited to a, a Welsh badminton under fourteen trial, and we went along, you know, just to have a look. And uh, and whether it was at that first session or the second one, we don't know, but they asked me if I would take a court. So they said, "Would you would you would you help out?" Aye. And I said, "Yeah." So they asked me to take a court. So I took a court with four under fourteens in it, and uh, and I got I got quite a lot of compliments yeah. after that session. And then I got invited back, and then the guy who was a coach, Andy Burke, decided like Bill Neal, he decided they didn't want to be anymore. And, <laughs> and that was and guess what? That was me. Can I ask you a question about coaching? If I could ask you a question about coaching, how do you go about? Um, how did you go about? Did you go about changing anything? And how did you go about getting better and learning different things in coaching? How do, do you think you improved as a coach, or was it a recipe that you kept all the time? No, I. I think um, I wrote down three things just to just to remind myself. About in case you ask me that question, you know what, what, what do you need to be a performance coach, mm -hmm. and what do you need in order to keep surviving as a performance coach? Because it's it's a tough gig, you know. Mm -hmm. And one one of the things which are which is absolutely essential is you have to have a thirst for knowledge, an absolute thirst. You need to want to drink in knowledge, wherever you can get it, yeah. and. And as, as my coaching career developed, knowledge became available because the world opened up and the internet came along and what have you. Whereas when I first started, you know, you had one magazine a month yeah. and some pictures in it. And you had to try and figure out what was going on just looking at these pictures. Yeah, yeah. But once I, once I was exposed to uh, information, I couldn't get enough of it then. Um, so you have to have. But you use that. You use that, and you watched, and you learned, and you used yeah. that in coaching. So con conceivably, you became a better coach when you're in Wales than you ever were in Scotland. I became, I became a better coach. Oh yeah, I mean, in the beginning in North Berwick, you know, Bruce will probably disagree with this, but I'm not sure I really knew what I was doing. Uh, you know, I was just going along with the, the guys and. 
and then I would read a magazine or something like that and I would come in with an idea uh, and say to Kenny or Bruce, what about this, what about that, why don't you try this? Have you tried it? Yeah, and, but I was, I was motivated and I was interested and I had as much of an appetite for knowledge as they did. And enthusiasm. Right? And enthusiasm. So I think that, so I think that's the, that's the most important thing. You know, the other two things are, you know, I think you've got to have a, a performance attitude to be a performance coach. Yes. Otherwise, you, you can forget about it, I think, you know. So you've got to have the same mindset. When you say performance, what do you mean? A drive to be the best kind of thing? When yeah, so you, how do you define a I mean, I remember Kenny's brother, younger brother. I said, well, what, he wanted to go running with me. I said, why do you, why do you want to go running? This is that the, the, the Scottish school championships are coming up and I want to do well in it. So I said, okay, right. So, and I'm, I'm not fit enough. So I said, okay, I'm going to pick up. I'm going to go running, which was hell on earth for him and easy for me. But so th there was the goal. He's not going to win the Scottish schools championships, but he can be the top East Lothian player. Yes. Which yeah. eventually it was, he ended up doing well. So, and, and Kenny wanted this and wanted that. So I thought, right, that's fine. Bruce was the same. I wanted this, I wanted that. And that's just, that, that's, that's what I want to hear. What was the, tell me what the third thing was. I've just had my five minute warning, Eddie. The third thing for a performance coach is that I think you do have to be decent. You know, you have to be decent at the sport. Yeah, you know, uh, especially, I mean, you don't have to be a world champion. In fact, I think if you're a world champion, Olympic champion, can be a disadvantage. You don't have to be better than the person you're playing. You don't have to be better than the person you're coaching. You have to be decent. I think you have to be decent because yes. Yes. if you're if you're if you're working with performance players and you can't hit a shuttle or you hit a shuttle like yeah, a court yeah. player, yeah. they'll never listen to you. Yeah, that's right. Another thing is, you'll never learn to be a good feeder. Unless you've got some ability yourself, and you know, and and I think really I got to the stage where I, I, I was a pretty good feeder, yeah, much so, better than I was yeah. a player. So I got better as a player, the better I became as a coach. Good coach, good coach. Okay, let's leave it. That was amazing. That was uh, really insightful, Eddie. Thank you. I was. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. It was good. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, good fun. And good fun. Um, yeah, so we'll get that posted online, and you'll find it later on. I'll, I'm just going to stop the recording now.